0: and like make fun of me or whatever. And after that I really felt that I had really let an opportunity pass that I shouldn't have. I I chickened out of maybe being like we said before, being granted to suffer for his sake or whatever. But I really it really something that stuck with me. I never like really could get past that fact. Like every time I got on a Scepta bus, I would think about that. Um, another time Maybe about a year later, I was on the bus, and I, I pulled up my Bible, I started reading it, and there was this guy on the bus who was probably drunk or just messed up. And uh, he kept telling me that I looked like Mick Jagger, which is kind of <laughs> funny. But it's true, that's what, he, that's what he was saying. He was uh, he's like, oh, I'm an idiot if that guy isn't Mick Jagger. And I was just like, okay, whatever. And uh, he was... He saw me read the Bible, he said, what are you reading it? I said, oh, I'm reading the Bible. He's like, oh, why would you read that? And I said, well, I believe in Jesus, and, and in the Bible, it, it tells me about his life and how I should live mine, and it's God's word to us. And he was like, kind of chuckling to himself, and just kind of kept bringing up the fact, like, I don't I really need that stuff, or whatever. And there was a guy, and I was just kind of like, oh, well, that's cool, man, like, I believe that this is true, and uh, hopefully you'll do the same someday and uh, there was somebody behind him and he's, he kind of like stuck up for me he's like, hey, i don't, I don't believe what, everything that this guy believes in but it, I, um, I congratulate him on God being uh, able to, to stand up for it you know, just watch us leave him alone or whatever <laughs> and that was kind of cool because you know, I took a step out and uh, something I don't usually do I mean, it's, it's hard I mean, even in a situation like that to just kind of be like yeah, I, I do believe that and, and it's cool to me because if someone's, like, tearing that down, and then you start to be like, oh, yeah, well, maybe I, uh, you yeah, uh, you start to shrink away like you're nothing. But we should be proud you know, of the fact that we're saved and we're going to heaven. Like, how can you, like, let's say this. Someone, say your grandma or whatever, is like, all right, I got a million dollars for you. Right? right? But, you know what, people might make fun of you because... I don't know, they'll just make fun of you. Because people are jealous and they... If, some, if you were to get a million dollars from somebody, would you, like, not tell anybody about that? Would you be like, oh, well, I'm kind of embarrassed that I have a million dollars? No. No, of course not. You're going to be like, Yo! I got money. Come on. It's on me tonight. Yeah. You know, everybody's like, Wow, this guy's rolling in money, right? Well, money has nothing. Money's the root of all kinds of evil. Um, but how much more is the gift of salvation? And we are ashamed of that, and we hide that to ourselves. Um, just think about that. Think how we have the gift of life to some people, and we hold it in, and we don't tell anybody. And tomorrow, I'm gonna, before we leave, I'm going to kind of talk about it. Just encourage you guys to go out. And so preach the gospel somehow. You don't have to get on the soapbox. You can just do it by your actions or how you stand up for what you believe in. Um, but I want to read a story that many of you probably haven't heard before. I didn't really wasn't really familiar with it until a few months ago. It's in First Kings. I'm just gonna read it to you guys. I'm gonna kind of paraphrase it. <coughs> paraphrase just means to say it in my own words. In chapter twenty-two of First Kings, and this is <laughs> it's going through this book just about godly character in boys and young men and uh, just for doing youth group and stuff like that and uh, it's a story of a man named Micaiah and uh, he was a prophet and uh, what, it, what it's saying here is the story goes like this the king of Israel um Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went down to visit the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth and Gilead is ours? But we hesitate to take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. So he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to fight at Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. So he's just pretty much saying, like, What's mine is yours, Mikasa, so We're together, yeah. And he said, but also Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 of them. And he said, shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to fight, or shall I refrain? So he's just asking the prophets, you know, you guys are in touch with God, you get the word from the Lord. Should I go fight this tribe or whatever and take this land, or should I not? And they said, go up, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. And Jehoshaphat said... Is there still not another prophet of the Lord there that we may inquire of him? So Jehoshaphat, feeling a little hesitation, says, you know, maybe, is there any more prophets? Because I want to get a second opinion, kind of like, I just want to make sure before we do this, before, we, yeah, um, before we, we do anything rash, let's just get, let's make sure everybody's in agreement. So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is still one man, Micaiah the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. So he said, Yeah, there's this other prophet, but all he ever says is bad stuff because, you know, so I don't like him. Even if it's true, he's saying bad stuff about me. I don't like this guy, so I'm not going to listen to what he has to say. Jehoshaphat says, Let not the king say such things. And the king of Israel called an officer and said, Bring Micaiah the son of Himlock quickly the king of Israel, and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, having put on their robes. Let's skip down. Okay. Now Zedekiah, the son of Chendana, had made horns of iron for himself, and he said, Thus says the Lord, With these you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. Then the messenger, who had gone out to call Micaiah, this is the part I want you guys to listen to. Uh, spoke to him, saying, "Now listen. The words of the prophets, with one accord, encourage the king. Please let your word be like the word of them and speak encouragement." And Micaiah said, "Listen to this. As the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak." Then the king came to the king. Then he came to the king, and the king said, "Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall we refrain?" And he answered him, saying, "Go and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king." So the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And he said, I saw Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, they have no master. Let each return to his house. And the king of Israel says, didn't I tell you that you would prophesy good concerning, not, not good concerning me, but evil? And that's just, um, it's hard to understand for you guys probably. Let me just clear that out a little bit. Micaiah was this guy who was being pressured into telling the king what he wanted to hear instead of telling him the truth that he got from God. And he was the only one that was really in tune with God. Later on he says that um, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit gave a, a false word to these prophets to persuade Ahab to go up because he, was, he wasn't in the Lord's will and Ahab ended up dying in battle. And that, that's kind of like a stretch, but you think about it. There's 400 men saying one thing, and Micaiah's the only one saying something different. He's the only one that's telling the truth to this king. And that's kind of a cool way to think about it. He's standing up for what you believe in. He wasn't ashamed. Um, my notes are kind of scattered, so I'm trying to work through this. Uh, let's go to Philippians, chapter 1. Philippians. Philippians we talked about earlier how in Philippians it says for to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him but also to suffer for his sake having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me Where are you in Philippians? Philippians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 20. So listen up. You can search quietly. If you don't get there, just listen to what I'm saying. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul's saying here that in any way that Christ would be magnified in his life or by his death. If he had to die for the Lord, he would do it. For to me, to live is Christ. While he was alive, his whole life was about Christ. That's all he wanted to portray was the love of Christ. And for him to die, that's gain because it says... He down in verse 23, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, which he means to die and to be with Christ forever. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. He's saying, but I'm going to stay here because you guys need to hear about the love of God. More people need to turn to Jesus. More people need the love of God in their lives. So he's saying, like, I, I want to do two things, and I can't. I want to go be with the Lord forever but I also want to be here for you guys because you need to hear this and uh, that's just an encouragement how he is uh, how he says in nothing I am ashamed he's not ashamed of anything his whole life was just he started off being one of the main religious leaders in Israel and he was killing people who believed in Jesus he was making them blaspheme in the name of Jesus and killing them if they wouldn't, and he was named Saul, and the Lord met him on a road, and revealed himself to him, and he became Paul, he changed his name, Um, and he believed in Jesus from that day on, and he really didn't have, after that, I mean, he kind of lost everything, he didn't, he didn't, um, all the stuff that he had being, a religious leader and stuff, he lost all of it because everybody who once respected him for being religious leader didn't like him anymore because he was one of those Jesus converts that they didn't like. Um, so that's interesting. And uh, he goes in, he kind of segues into what I read earlier, um, talking about, uh, for to you it has been granted. And uh, let's start from verse 27 of chapter 1. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. I'm going to flip to Matthew. You guys don't have to, because it's just... It takes too long. in Matthew something interesting that uh, Jesus is preaching he says in Matthew ten twenty-eight, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul that's not something you want to hear from Jesus like they can only kill your body like okay like, that's kind of scary I don't want to be killed or whatever But he's encouraging them. He's saying, they can't can't kill your soul. They can't stop what's going on in your life. If you believe in Jesus, if you die on earth, you're going to be in heaven for eternity. So he's saying, he's just encouraging him. And he continues, he says, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. Your father being the Lord. God. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more value You are of more value than many sparrows. And he's just saying, like, you know, God's not going to let anything happen to us eternally. I mean, we may get, we may suffer persecution, that's temporary stuff. It's really not in the, in the grand scheme of things, it's really not anything. Maybe this guy, oh, this guy, he's making fun of me, you know what? you know what, maybe down the road he's going to be leading a terrible life, and he's going to remember the stuff that you used to live for and stick up for, and he's going to be like, you know what, that kid seemed to really know what's going on, and I missed it, and I'm looted, and I need to change my life now before it's too late. Why not start early? Why not be bold for the gospel of Christ at a young age? It's, it, don't waste your time, you know, because... You think, oh, and I'm not 16 years old yet. I can't really do anything for Christ. Not true at all. You can do many, many things. As a young kid, as a pre tween or whatever they call it, tweens. <laughs> as a teenager, as for someone in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. You can always be a servant for Christ. And you can always live for Him. Um, see. Let me uh, go back to First Peter chapter 4. This is Peter talking, and he's talking about suffering for God's glory. Uh, just being, people being ridiculed, people being persecuted. Um, and Peter's encouraging them, he's saying, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with his and joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, and on your part he's glorified. So what he's saying here, he's saying, you're, if you're reproached, if you're, if you're mocked for the name of Christ, and if you're wearing a t-shirt that says Jesus on it, or if you're singing a worship song in, in school, or, or reading the Bible, if someone's making fun of you for that, he says, blessed are you. which is a happy are you.' you should be happy. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he blasphemes. They think they're making a mockery of God. They're like, "Ah, Jesus, blah, blah 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 blah." But for you, he's glorified because you're like, "Lord, you you told me this was going to happen, and thank you for allowing me to suffer as you suffer, being mocked and being persecuted." And he's glorified in that, in in the way that when we are. Um, when we suffer like that, he gets the glory, because it's not a pride issue with us anymore. It's not like, oh yeah, well you think Jews is a stupid boy, I'm going to knock you out. No, it can't really be like that, you know what I mean? Because then we're not showing the love of Christ. <clears throat> but he, said, he continues in verse 15, he says, But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's manners. Now listen to this verse. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. If anyone suffers as a Christian, anyone, plenty of people suffer as Christians. We are fortunate enough that we live in a country where it's not as acceptable to just kill Christians as in other countries. And they do. And they don't talk about it, but. And we think that that's uh, always so something that happens back in the Bible time people getting killed for the faith. And no, it's not true. There's a book, there's tons of books about martyrdom. And uh, all these people that have just really stood up for the Lord and have been killed for it. At uh, the Bible study, two weeks ago, we read through some, Jesus, some of the, book, uh, the stories in the book Jesus Reads, which is all about people who died for their faith in Jesus. And it's just saying, let them not be ashamed. If someone's making fun of you, they're like, oh man, I can't believe I believe in Jesus. The guy's making fun of me for it. Why am I, why am I putting myself through this? You know what? Don't be ashamed. How can you be ashamed of someone who... Is the exact opposite of shame. Glorify God when you're being persecuted for that stuff. And I encourage you guys, you know, stand up. If you really believe, that's why I had that study before. If you really believe the gospel, 100%, you believe that Jesus came, he died, he rose again, and we're going to be with him if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart. Then don't be ashamed of the gospel. It says on that right there. That's the verse. If anyone ashamed of me and my word, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory. We don't want to be that person that's ashamed, that God's ashamed of when he comes in glory. Um, let me go to 1 Corinthians 9 real quickly. I don't have it right there. Something that I'll I'll, I'll hit on a little bit now—it's kind of what we're going to talk about tomorrow, really quick. In chapter nine of 1 Corinthians, Paul says, "Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel." So, if you guys—if you really want people to get saved, you want to tell people about the good news. You can't be living a life that is the same as these people that need the good news. Like, you can't go to someone who's like, I've been in adultery or whatever, and be like, yo, man, you need to get Jesus, so it will fix you, and you're in adultery yourself. Like, that doesn't make sense at all. Or if you're just being wicked. You can't go to someone who's wicked and be like, oh, Jesus changed my life. No, he didn't look at your life. It's exactly the same as it was. So what Paul's saying is, even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel, if you're going to preach it, you got to be living it. you got to be living what the word of God says. You can't be telling other people to do something that you're not doing. <clears throat> I said um, a couple weeks ago, uh, you can't give somebody... You can't reproduce what you don't already produce. Uh, we can't uh, reproduce... People in the body of Christ, if we're not producing fruit ourselves. So that's um, kind of that same idea. Uh, in verse 16, Paul says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. He's saying it's necessary. It's, it's a necessity for him, it's been laid upon him. It's like a burden. He has to preach the gospel. There's no question about it. He doesn't like think like, oh man, I'm not going to preach the gospel today. You know, because I, I just, I don't feel like, yeah, I'm going to sit home. And, and I'm not saying you have to get up and, and put a soapbox down and, and go out into the middle of town and preach the gospel every every day. We can preach the gospel with the way we love, with the way we act, with the way we show ourselves approved to God. Um. So I just encourage you guys. You know. Jesus had no problem being put to shame on the cross. Why should we be put to shame? Because some dumb kid thinks it's funny to make fun of the fact that we love Jesus. Um, uh, really quick, I want to just read about how they, uh, Paul talks about how Christ was put to, not put to shame, but he, was, he suffered for our sakes. The humbled and exalted Christ the sections called in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. The Son of God, the man who created the heavens and the earth, their God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, they're all one. They were all their creation. The owner of the universe made himself of no reputation. he was a guy he became the son of a random carpenter in the city. Of Nazareth. Um, he made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. So he's just saying he was just he just looked like a guy he wasn't like... Six foot six in Israel and like blonde hair, blue eyes. He wasn't like standing out. He was just like, it would be like, um, I don't know, which one's Jesus? No one, would, no one could tell who he was. He was the same to everybody else. Because they didn't want people, he didn't want people to follow him because he was the best looking guy, because he was rich. Because then they wouldn't be following him for the right reasons. So. He says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Humbled is another word for shame. It's another, uh, it's a, a synonym for the word shame is being humble. Uh, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those in heaven and not those of the earth, of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. He did all that for that reason. That everyone would be able to confess with their mouth that He was the Lord and that they would be saved. Uh, Let me just read one more scripture. It's in... uh, Where did I put it? I think it's in Galatians 6. Sorry, I've been flipping around a while. An encouragement to you guys who think you have a lot going for you when you really don't really in the world's eyes you can't have a lot going for you if you really want to be on fire <laughs> chapter 6 verse 14 of Galatians he says but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ I whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world I can't boast in anything except in the cross of Christ because that's where my life really began because that is where Jesus took the sinful man and made him pure. At that cross. He's saying, by whom the world has been crucified to me. Like he doesn't even have a part in the world anymore. Yeah, he's living on the world in the world. He's talking to people. He has nothing in common with the world anymore. And I to the world. Saying, I, I've separated myself completely from worldly things. I do not live for this world. I live for the next world. I live for heaven. And I'm using my life that I have left to tell other people that I have found that the cross of Jesus Christ is where people die and are raised again. Their sinful nature is put to death and they are brought back to life again. So I just encourage you guys. You know what? All this is hard to make out. I mean, my for some reason, my head is just not processing correctly. Maybe it's because I'm sick. I don't know. This this is what the Lord wanted, so I encourage you guys. If you don't already believe the gospel is true, and it is the best, not just good news, it is the best news ever. I don't care NBC10 switched to CBS because Larry Menti's on there. No, that's terrible news. The best news is that Jesus died for you. He died for you. You, 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 you. Everybody in this room He's offering a life of righteousness, a life separated unto him, separated from the world. That People look at that sometimes as, oh man, I gotta stop doing this, I gotta do that. I gotta give up so much for Christ. No, you don't have to give up because He we receive so much more joy in the fact that we are living a life dedicated to Him than we would have ever received in anything else that is selfish or prideful. And He rewards us when we fully dedicate our lives to Him. So I encourage you again. Stand up for the Lord. Tonight we're going to hear from a couple people that have, have been put to shame, I guess, by people, or just have been stand up for what they believe in and have been mocked for it. Um, so if you don't feel like you're ready to stand up and be bold for the Lord, come talk to one of us. Come talk to Mr. Ackerman, mom, and um, he's. Talk to us. We want you to feel confident in the gospel so that you won't be ashamed anymore. And that you will be so bold that if someone says, Oh, you believe in Jesus, that's crazy. You're insane. I'm like I was because I didn't believe in it. Now I believe in it. And I'm the sanest person ever because I am focusing on the truth. And it's unquestionably true. The gospel, the good news, there's no questions. It's true, and I know it, and I feel it in my heart. And if you want to feel it in your heart, you just need to believe and confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God. And if you guys, if there's somebody in here that hasn't done that and you want to, I'm just going to pray now. You can pray quietly in your heart, and if you pray for the first time, you can uh, You can tell one of us, and then we'll be so happy that you decided to make this gospel, this good news, your life right here. You, you made it your news. Made it your good news and you took it into your heart and you accepted Jesus. So let's pray. <coughs> and uh, anybody who wants to <coughs> really just accept Jesus as their one Savior for the first time, you guys can pray at you Lord, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for just being faithful to us, you're not being ashamed of us, even though we are sometimes ashamed to be called your sons. God, right? you're not ashamed. And Lord, we thank you just for what you give us. And Lord, I pray that anyone in this room has not really brought Jesus to be the Lord and Savior in their lives, Lord, that you would bring them to that point, God, that they would be ready to make you the Savior, to make you the Lord of their life. And God, I just pray that they would just confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that you are the Son of God. And that you died for them, that you were risen by the power of God, Lord, that they would be saved. Just ask for all these things. Amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.